When it comes to taking a popular song, changing the lyrics, and producing a comedic version that appeals to 12-year-olds, there's only one game in town, Weird Al Yankovic. For 40 years, this goofy king of polka has been modifying America's biggest hits and singing parodies, mostly based on food. If you're a new band and Weird Al calls, you know you've made it. Through 14 studio albums, five Grammy Awards, his own film, and a biopic, Yankovic has been a mainstay of the cultural landscape throughout most of Generation X's lives. So, these two former sophomores are dusting off their childish senses of humor to revisit even worse, one of Weird Al's biggest hits. Get yourself some blueberries, lemon juice, simple syrup, and rum to make a blueberry daiquiri for episode 76 of Toasting the Classics. Weird Al Yankovic's even worse. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, the podcast where we take something that people call a classic. Uh, in this case, I think the claim is uh, a little on the dubious side, but we'll see. We'll see. It's certainly an important album and uh, something that was formative in my life. But anyway, this is a podcast where we take something that people call a classic. We talk about it. We drink something inspired by the purported classic, and we decide whether it should be a classic. My name is Dave MacArthur. And my name is Clint Lanier. We are the experts for the next 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. So definitely listen to us and everything we have to say. We may be some of the world's biggest experts on this particular subject at this moment, because I don't know how many people are thinking about this particular <laughs> artist That's at any given time in history. Do you want me to reveal the artist? And Yes. What's right. what's the uh, album that you chose? So this this comes choice? from the, um, the classically trained composer named Al Yankovic, also known as Weird Al Yankovic. And mm -hmm. uh, the album that we're doing is called Even Worse. Now, a lot of people might not know the album uh, title, but you might know the the title song is Fat, which is taken from Michael Jackson's Bad. Cover of it's great. It's got him in the same costume as as Michael Jackson's Bad, but it's, of course, Weird Al, so he's got the big flowing Afro locks type of thing. I was actually thinking, I don't know how well-remembered the song Bad is today. Yeah, well, you don't hear a lot of Michael Jackson anymore on the radio. Well, you don't hear a lot of Michael Jackson for <laughs> obvious reasons, by the way. Yeah. Like, well, boy, could he dance? Yeah, yeah. yeah we probably well, should probably should do a show on him. I think Thriller people are still aware of. You know, I think people are still aware of uh, Beat It and some of the other. You know, the Moonwalk and some other Michael Jackson facts and maybe maybe some stories about his personal life. People may <laughs> maybe heard of right a little bit. Um, but this album, I think, is pretty pretty forgotten. I, it was huge. It it cannot be exaggerated what a big deal the album and i think the album was called bad or is it smooth criminal i'm suddenly doubting myself i think it's bad bad is the name of the album okay right but it was a big deal like i remember the day the video for bad came out like watching it and waiting for it to come out and it was uh it was an event so when weird al was doing a spoof of bad with his song fat you knew every beat of bad you knew exactly what he was parodying it was it was not an obscure reference point a lot of the songs on this album are really obscure now i think to most people i think a lot, a lot of people would be like what is i've never heard of this song so i own this album when i was a kid so this is my choice ladies and gentlemen or lady and gentlemen uh -huh. i own this came out in 1988 was when this was released so i would have been i was 12 years old so that's the target <laughs> the target audience for this album is probably 12 to 14 years old i would say mm -hmm. i was right in there i own this cassette I listened to it all the time. I was going to ask what medium you had it in. Okay, because I, I, I had a, I had the Walkmans. I had a Walkman. The Walkman. Yeah. When I was when I was a kid, so I listened to this all the time. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. 
mean, mm-hmm. cause that, you know, a 12 year old, 14 year old kid will think that, oh boy, especially will think this is funny. Anything that has to do with like dark humor and, you know, being fat or throwing up or whatever. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember two episodes. There was, and, and fat was something that you used to be able to make fun of or that you used to make fun of all the time. And there uh-huh. weren't, it wasn't a protected class, you know, <laughs> as it is now. Yeah. And so I, I remember there was Monty Python's Meaning of Life came out around this time. I would say late 80s. It was, I think, the last Monty Python movie. And one of the skits in there was this guy that goes into the restaurant and he was in a fat suit. He was huge, just big old, huge guy. He was ordering everything on the menu until at the very end, he orders like some cracker with cheese on it and literally explodes, just blows up. <laughs> that was the whole skit. And so that that was a skit. And so Weird Al Yankovic blowing up like a blimp. Yeah. His buttons like busting off, you know, which was also mm-hmm. was a huge gag. You know, the buttons would bust off and hit somebody in the head. That was something that you could do. You can't do that now. I think, uh, you know, the whole body shaming. No, the word the word fat shaming did not uh, exist in 1988. No. That would have uh, just what are you what are you talking about? What do you mean fat shaming? Well, you know? fat, fat shaming would have been accepted. <laughs> this is something my grandma would do. We'd go out with my grandma. Oh God, yes. And, and she she'd see somebody an overweight person. She'd like be like, "Good Lord, look at that." You know, in her, yeah. in her Oklahoma accent. So fat shaming was was something society did to mm-hmm. overweight people. Now it's considered boorish or rude or insensitive if you shame somebody for their weight, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's cruel, right? There was an Onion article, and I can't get the phrasing exactly right, but it said something along the lines of um, millions of Americans bravely resisting uh, Hollywood standards of body, of body images. <laughs> bravely. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All these overweight people. It's like, well, you know, those standards, they're really not doing a lot of, not, not affecting <laughs> right. a lot of people, right. apparently. So, you know, that was the main song on this. This He made a music, he, you know, cut a music video for Fat and he mimicked all of Michael Jackson's dance moves. Did a decent job, I think, you know, for a Jew that, that plays the accordion. He's, he's not, a, by the okay, you're ruining one of my biggest surprises. Fat. What? Not Jewish. Well, he's not Jewish? No. That was, that's, I, I think I'm going to go on record right now and say that's my biggest surprise. Although if I thought about it, Yankovic is just like a Croatian, Slovakian type, well, like a Slavic name. last name. Yeah, yeah. No, not Jewish. And it's funny because uh, my wife goes through these things where somebody will mention that someone's Jewish and then she'll look up other celebrities and be like, did you know this guy's Jewish? Did you know this guy's Jewish? And so right. the other day I was like, do you know who's not Jewish? Weird Al Yankovic. Wow. It must be a Mandela no effect or something. I, I read read his bio just like you did, but I don't know how I missed that. No, yeah, I, he's Christian actually. His family's—I would wow. say—some kind of Orthodox Christian, but I can't actually remember. But interesting. Um, I, I think it was actually—I think he was kind of religious growing up, actually. But well, I'm glad I didn't choose Manowitz, uh wine. <laughs> Manischewitz? No, no, Manischewitz would not be appropriate. But maybe some <laughs> so, kind of, maybe one of those brandies from Eastern Europe, a Slivovitz type fruity yeah, yeah. type of thing, would have been appropriate. We could probably he, could have found. Yeah, no, he he did. I know he's done music videos where he's. Like a rabbi or something in him. I I just can't. He did one where he was Amish too. He's not. Yeah, he did, the, yeah the Amish you know. paradise. Yeah, which yeah. I think. And actually, that might be the Mandela effect. There, you may have seen him dressed up like he was Amish, right. and then just conflated that with him being Hasidic, <laughs> and then figured that it might have been. Yeah, that might have been for sure. I don't know if that counts as my as my biggest surprise, but that's I'm putting that out there as that's a big surprise. It, yeah, you got it me. did sort of surprise me. It did sort of surprise me, and I don't even a hundred percent know why, but you know, whatever. 
he kind of looks like the way my stepdad looked when he was a young man. Huh? They have like a very similar look. Yeah. So I think I just kind of conflated the two people in my head because I think my stepdad is the one that introduced me to Weird Al Yankovic because huh? he was a fan of all that novelty, comedy, music, like everything that would have been on the Dr. Demento show back yeah. in the back in the 70s and 80s. You know, so you know, gra grandma got run over by a reindeer and right, stuff right. like that. So shaving cream. Do you remember that one? No. What's that? It's a song about at the end of every line. It's a word that rhymes. Well, it ends with it. And then he uh -oh. stuck his hand in oh, a and then he says shaving cream. Shaving cream, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole joke through the throughout the song. Uh, and there was like fish heads, roly poly fish heads. I think I remember that. I remember fish heads. Yeah, that was on um, Mad Movies. Was a show on Nickelodeon when I was a kid that that yeah. used to do a, a video of that. And uh, you know, there was a lot of that, a lot of that sort of comedy music back in the day. I don't know if that's a, you know, it is a genre today, but it would all be on YouTube. There's probably yeah, yeah. 10 times as much material in terms of comedy music, but it's just on YouTube. Things like what does the fox say and stuff like that, that would fill the role. That's, that's actually a really good point that he, you know, he was actually a signed celebrity. I mean, he was a signed talent. Absolutely. So, I mean, they actually had to go in a production studio and make a record just like Michael Jackson had to lay down. Well, some I was talent. thinking when you buy, so you said you had the tapes. My, my friends and I actually never owned a Weird Al Yankovic tape. But one of my friends, this like infamous Eddie Haskell bad boy kid on the bus named yeah. Mike Pfaff, uh -huh. always had the Weird Al Yankovic stuff. He had like 20 of his tapes and he would loan them. To, I remember borrowing them and being just in heaven for a couple of days if I could borrow a Weird Al Yankovic tape. Uh -huh. For some reason, my parents wouldn't let me get them. I don't know why. But anyway, I remember listening to all of these and um, just being really happy to have them. But you'd listen to them and they're pretty good without the comedy. They're pretty good versions of the actual songs. Like it sounds just, oh. it's not, it's not a comedy. It's yeah. the real song. It sounds just like it. Right. So it was almost like you had a greatest hits tape, mm -hmm. a bunch of good songs on it. You could just listen <laughs> right. to them as right. if, it, what, what do we have here? I mean, we've got Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. right? George Harrison. I'm already forgetting which one of these songs match up, but La Bamba is lasagna. Mm -hmm. I think you got Tiffany. I think we're a clone. I think uh, I'm a clone. Of them original. I think, yeah, I think I'm a clone now. Alimony is Billy Idol. Then you got the Beastie Boys. And I, I wouldn't have been into a James Taylor song, but apparently Good Old Days is the style of James Taylor. But I didn't you know I didn't get that until I listened to it for this show. I was I was thinking, this is James Taylor. That's exactly who this is. But when I was yeah. a kid, it was just a funny song. It's a bad, right. <laughs> song about some psychopath that turns right. into a serial killer, basically. One of them was in the style of the police, and now was that Melanie? No, uh, the police was Velvet Elvis. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, police. That's and that you can. Oh, see yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. I wrote it down. Right. Yeah, yeah it sounds a lot like Synchronicity or something yeah. like that. It's got that same uh, recurring like driving guitar sound that, that goes along with that song. So I think that one's kind of based on that. But yeah, um, this is a different era in terms of what was considered politically correct. Uh -huh. And I don't know whether. Probably there would have been people even in 1988 that would have complained about things like that. But like, I've got more chins than Chinatown. I don't think you could say that today. All those that's jokes. Not, when I sit around not, the house, I really sit around the house. And uh, that's just a fat joke. But I mean, this one's like a like a like an Asian, oh, like anti-Asian. I don't even know if it's anti. It's really not. I don't think all that offensive to say that sometimes Chinese people might be named Chin. Although I don't know, a Chen. I guess that that could be true. But I don't know how offensive that is. But 
Today wow. you would not you would not be able to say that for sure for sure. sure. I can't remember which song it was, but he uses the word midget, and you definitely can't say that. That was uh, stuck in a closet with Vanna White. Is that where he mentions it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Have you ever heard the John Mulaney bit about that word? Uh, he said he said midget in a in a comedy bit, huh? and one of his one uh, the producer was like, "You can't say that word. It's like saying the n word." And and he, and John Mulaney was like, "Listen, if there's two words and you can't even say one of them because it's bad, that's the worst word. It's definitely <laughs> worse than midget. Like, <laughs> right, fine, right. I won't say midget anymore if it's offensive. But those are not the same thing at all. <laughs> it's not the same thing. That's great. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about like, dude, would one come up to the other one and say, "What's up, my midget?" You know? Oh I, yeah, I don't see it right. But if anybody can say it, I'm sure it would be an actual little person could say. I'm sure. I'm sure the, the M word. There's so many words we can't say anymore. And I'm sure I'm sure at some point Weird Al has said them all. Actually, you know what I what I enjoy calling people? Unitard. Uh -oh. they, they don't know how to they don't know how to react to it. Because it's got the part tard is in there. Yeah. Unitard. <laughs> so I we, said, might, we use the word moutard. Which is French, French, French for mustard. That's, That's what I've right. been calling. When my kids do something silly, I call them moutard. And I've just recently realized I should probably stop doing that. Probably stop. Well, people always yeah. kind of pause and like go, like I see their eyes kind of go up for a minute because right. they're thinking like did he say what did he say he said did he just say what i think he just said yeah well anyway we could get into it we could get into a discussion about that but <laughs> what is it was a different age different time oh yes we were telling oh, we yes. were telling fat jokes well and you know what I, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna get into it and i'm gonna refer to it as the r word just to be nice because that's fine it's not it's not a class of people i want to offend by any stretch or people that you know but that word was not intended to be something rude it was meant to be actually like a like a scientific or a medical term oh, for people well, that have a certain the R word the R word. Well, it just it just means stopped. I mean, it just or, meant or, it just or, means or, slow. It just means slower, slower, men, slower well, mental down, development like, than other people. Like you and can, so, and I'm going to say it like you can retard a carburetor. It right. means slowing down the amount of fuel that goes into it. It slows down the engine. I mean, that's what it's you know yeah. to indicate. The, the, the word just became offensive because it referred to something that people would make fun of each other for being and then then it became offensive. So whatever people are using now is eventually going to become offensive again. Well, I mean that's what, lang so, that's what language does. Language language is living and and the thing is like we have to share meaning for language to, to be viable, right? Like mm -hmm. if I say, if I say a word you and I have to share this the same meaning of that word to laugh about it or to to just to understand what we're saying. And I mean, it's all semiotics is, is where it comes from, but the branch of linguistics of that right. studies this stuff. But, you know, when you try to apply a social value on language and say, you have to share the same social value I share about this particular thing, it simply doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Language only works when society as a whole uses it or doesn't use it in a certain way. That's So you're never going to get rid of the, the use of certain words. You can put taboos on it and you can limit it all you want, limit it in print, limit it certainly in broadcast. I would never say the N-word, you know, in, in any of our shows or anything like that. But people are still going to have it. People, are, It's still going to be out there, you know. You're never yeah. going to eradicate it completely unless we flash forward. Well, I was born I was born into the conversation a long time past when anybody ever would have said the N-word. Like I never I never heard anybody use that word when I was growing up, like at all. That was that was a at least where I grew up, that was a dead word. That was not something anybody said. So my grandma used it referring to, you know, she was from Oklahoma in the 1920s. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she would. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, 
I, I don't know if I, I feel like I told the story before, but my grandfather used to use the word Negro when, when I was a kid and it used to, Oh, it was so embarrassing to me. It was like, can you please not, but you know, and it, of course it sounds super old fashioned today, but it, it was actually what decent people said when right. he was young. That was, that was what like people as, who were as an alternative cool. to the really bad word. You well, know. not even just that was the proper word for referring to African-Americans in his time. That was what people who were in the civil rights movement and stuff would say. So, it, you know, it, I, I thought it was offensive, but I was like, it's just it just changed. It's just a new word. But anyway, whatever. Anyway. We're getting we're getting we're getting very off the topic of getting in the weeds. Well, now now we have the F word, which is fat. Right. That, that, that's we're not allowed to say that in my family because my my wife is a bariatric surgeon. So we have to try to be. Um, <laughs> We have to try to be very delicate about the use of that word because that one's that one's hurtful. That so. one is that one is hurtful. But you know, there used to be a time when you could make have fat jokes. Right. Essentially, that's what this song is completely comprised of. Is it's nothing but fat jokes. Pretty much, yeah. When I, when I when I fall, the pavement cracks. Go to the beach. I'm the only one that gets a tan. And a lot of these were remember yo mama jokes. Yo mama yes. so fat. Yes. She goes, she goes to the beach. She's the only one that gets a tan. Or yeah, those are all good snaps. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A lot, a lot of those are taken from that. The chins got more chins than Chinatown. That was that one. Like you said, probably couldn't be. You just wouldn't say it today. I, I think if you analyzed "got more chins than Chinatown," you'd find it's not really offensive. It's yeah. you know like saying lots of English people are named Smith or lots of latin people are named martin it's really not particularly offensive but you just wouldn't say it today you'd just be walking into a wall of, of got more smith and arrows got more smiths than a medieval city i don't know it doesn't work yeah doesn't no work. no it doesn't really. <laughs> so was this the only this is the only music video he made i believe or oh i don't it? think so was no, 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 it? no not not no i mean from this album like, oh from it? this album oh from this album it very well might have been i i very much remember some of these other songs mm -hmm. but i don't remember there being another another video now, I remember this video actually showing on MTV. Like they would play this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. As if it was another music video. And yeah. did you know that he won a Grammy for best concept video for, for, for this one? For the fat video, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Um, Again, something a little bit, of a, never little bit of a slap in the slap in the face to MJ there because who came up with the original <laughs> material. <laughs> right, right. But whatever. So well, I don't you know what I don't remember is I don't remember were these songs played on the radio. And yes. I kind of they were okay because I don't remember. I remember fat, MTV fat, definitely. Fat was fat okay. certainly was, and I feel like I heard um, the song is just six words long. I feel like I heard that one on the radio too, and that one, you know, George Harrison's original is such a terrible song. I, I got like mind, that song. I got my mind stuck on you. It it really is. I I, I like it, but simple, I have to say this song. one this one is funny. This one points out that the song is very simple yeah. and stupid. And, it, and I mean, it, there's a line in that actually, song. There's a line in his mm -hmm. song. It goes. Uh, Let's see, he's like, take no, if I put my, no, he's like, I know if I put mine to it, I know I can find a good rhyme here. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't yeah. find a rhyme, but he's making fun of the point that George Harrison says, I know if I put my yes. mind to it, I can do it. I mean, come on. That's, that's a bug. It's actually, it's actually one of the only times in Weird Al's career where, and I'm trying to think how to express this, but like the song fat just takes the rhyme with the word bad. And then is a completely different concept. Yeah unrelated to the original song right. right it's just a completely different concept unrelated the words just kind of rhyme it's not a parody of the song itself it's a little bit of the style of the video because he kind of looks the same in the video the outfit and stuff this song is just six words six words long is actually making fun of the composition of the original oh, song. song it's right. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a different level of satire yeah. 
that I think is funnier. I was listening to that and I was like, that's a funny song. That to me, that was written by the same guy that wrote Here Comes the Sun. And that's, that's what kills me about it. It's like, that's, come on, you, you can do better than that. George Harrison. I mean, you really could. He didn't need to. That song was <laughs> a huge good, hit. I think I that song might have been a number one hit. It probably was. But I, I, I got song. my mind set on you. I think that was a number one hit. And I don't think it was necessarily because because I remember hearing it when I was a kid. I didn't know who George Harrison was. Yeah. I didn't know who George Harrison was when I was a little kid. And I just liked that song anyway. So it wasn't just because he was woo George Harrison. I think that song was catchy and it was popular for a reason. Because you were a little kid. Yeah, but I wasn't the one buying all the albums. I mean, it was a number one song. Yeah. People, as far wow. as I remember, I could be quoting that wrong, but I think that was a Billboard number one. Yeah, you're probably you're probably like right. Eighty-seven a, or something. That but, doesn't change the fact that it's a terrible song. No, it's it's very simplistic. I, maybe maybe sometimes they're sort of trying to prove that something's simple. I always thought that about the White Stripes. The White Stripes try to do a lot with very little. They have these minimalist compositions that are actually really effective and it's yeah. kind of like the title of their band white stripes like so i think that's kind of what was going on with that song you know when i was a kid and this is something just kind of generally speaking about about the songs a song like the songs are six words long and fat those were funny i could understand them and i could understand why they were funny but i didn't get alimony until no. I, I until i really listened to it this time Right, I was, I was laughing out loud. I mean, <laughs> bleeding me dry like a bony bony. I mean, just yeah. you know, it 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 cracked me up. Absolutely cracked me up with what with everything I know now. And then uh, the James Taylor, these are the good old days. Or those, those were the good old days. You know, it was funny as a kid because you know it's uh, kind of a funny subject for a song, right? It just right. sounds kind of funny. But, but I was listening. Dark. I wasn't thinking James Taylor, but I was like, okay, this is like a spoof of these these seventies folk songs, like in general. Yeah. I didn't really pick up on it being specifically James Taylor until I read that later. But when I did, I was like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly yeah. That's exactly who they're. It's like if you had a song that was sort of vaguely Jack Johnson, vaguely Dave Matthews right. from the 90s, like as a parody, right. you'd know the, the genre that was being parodied, but maybe not the specific uh, song. Yeah. So, oh, one point I wanted to make. So I definitely think that this show should be about Weird Al, mm. not just about even worse. That's well... And yeah. the reason and the reason for that is that I want to stave off the possibility of having to do another Weird Al Yankovic album <laughs> at some time in the future. Like I'm fine I want to I want to head that off at the past, yeah. but I just know. picked I picked even worse because I think it's his best selling album. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good it's one. Like, I, I think it's one like of his best. Um, kind of like what we've done with comedy albums. Like we took the first or the last for George Carlin. We did that sort of with uh, Bill Cosby, but. You know, actually, um, I don't think it is his best selling. I think his best selling ones were actually in the 90s, long after I was listening to him. Um, I think the one with uh, Amish Paradise or possibly the one with Smells Like Teen Spirit, what it smells like Nirvana or whatever it was. I I completely did not hear any of that stuff in the 90s, but he was selling millions of albums off of those and like winning Grammys and stuff. So I think one of those is actually his number one selling album. But it it makes sense to go back to the beginning like this, I think. What well, uh, I, I didn't want to go back all the way to the beginning because no, nearly as good. <laughs> no, no, not all the way. What are, what are, what are we doing about a drink? Oh, so we are having what's called a blueberry daiquiri. Okay. This why? Is, why that? What does that have to do with? Uh... Well, in in 1989, Weird Al came out with a mo- best movie ever made called UHF. Did you ever see it? I have a vague memory of watching parts of it once at somebody's house. A friend that I definitely associate with Weird Al, like it's 100% my friend's sense of humor is weird up to this day, Weird Al Yankovic. But I don't remember if I ever actually watched the whole thing. 
Well, he there's a there's a there's a scene in there where he goes into this dive bar and he orders a blueberry daiquiri, which is you know it's okay. It's one of those out of place type of drinks. So I went with that because Weird Al doesn't drink. No, I don't think so. Yeah, pretty drunk. So I was like, well, we'll go with that. And so it's it's just it's two ounces of uh, rum, it's uh, half ounce of simple syrup, it's mm-hmm. half uh, juice from half a lemon, and then about a half a cup or a quarter cup to half a cup of blueberries, shake it up really hard and then strain it. And there you go. I, I mo- mo- uh, modeled mine instead of uh, shaking. You did what? Modeled it. Muddled what it. What does that mean? Muddled it. Mo- where you squish them. So I squished the blueberries with the oh. muddler is where you squish it. I actually just kind of crushed them a little bit in my hand before I yeah, dropped them in. So I just have blueberries in there, but. Sort of what I, what I was talking about. So I did that, threw it all in there, mixed it with some ice. My case, I stirred it up, but uh, again, you can shake it really hard and then strain it, and then you are good to go. It's pretty tasty. What do you no, think? No, it's a good drink. I like, I like it. I like it. I had trouble finding the ingredients, and the instructions for the lemon juice were just half a lemon worth of lemon juice, which yeah. to me was a very vague instruction because I had lemon juice. So I just tried to guess about that. And then I went to the store. I went to a liquor store, I asked for simple syrup, and, and I and I tried the grocery store too. Both places, I just got people looking at me with that look that like recent immigrants give you when they're just like, can you please just go away and let me do my job? I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Like the other, day, the other day, I went to Walmart. We're on the road. I was on a road trip with Alex, and he wanted to get a road atlas, like a paper road atlas for the trip so we could look at things and, and you know, figure out where there was... Anyway, so I go and ask the guy. This guy, the guy 100% is like a native English speaker. And I'm like, Can, it, do you guys have a road atlas somewhere? And he looks at me like, what? And I was about to give up and be like, they don't have a road atlas. And I realized I, he didn't know what a road atlas was. So mm-hmm. I was like, a road, it's like a, a book with maps in it. And he was like, oh, why didn't you just say that? And I was like, well, I, I thought I did. Atlas, yeah. <laughs> and then I was thinking about it afterwards. And I was thinking, well, he looks like probably he's bilingual. And I was thinking like, what what is the word for atlas in Spanish? And I'm like. I think it's Atlas. And I looked it up and it's Atlas. The word for Atlas in how, Spanish. How old, how old was that guy? This is a, the problem was the guy was too young to have ever yeah. seen a yeah. paper road atlas. He had no he's, idea what the object he's millenni- was. If he's a millennial, he has no idea. Not even, means. not even. Whatever comes below the millennials. Like uh, uh, this kid was probably like 23 or something Gen, like that. A gazennial or whatever. Gen I, I don't Z, know. I think there's millennial and then Gen Z. I don't know. But yeah, it's just. It's before the time, you know, before one of those. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. It's, it's strange. They, they still sell them at Walmart, by the way, because there's old people like me driving around the country who occasionally. Well, I think, I think tactile, tactile is coming back into style, you know? Um, I mean, to some extent, these old analog things, some of them do, right? I always, the example I always use is that it's 2023 and there are still horse people all over the place. There are people who love to own a horse, who love to ride horses. It's a lot less people than there used to be back in the day but there's still people that like horses there's still people that have vinyl records there's still people myself the thing that's never going away as long as i'm still drawing breath on this earth i will have paper books i love books it's one of my favorite things in life is like the feel of a good book and i feel like that's a deep enough one that there will always be some people who like to own books and like to have books totally it'll be it'll be less people than it used to be but i think that'll always exist So so what does any of this have to do with weird al I was looking for simple syrup at the store. (laughs) No one understood. I was literally trying to think, what is the word for simple syrup in Spanish? And I just gave up. I was like, I I think I could come up with something, but I don't even think it would translate necessarily. Like, I think it actually would be siropa simple. But I I don't probably have to say like agua de de sucre. 
Yeah, but I, that wouldn't that would she have entailed me thinking about what exactly what what exactly simple syrup, syrup was. So you made it was only once I, once I gave up trying to buy it. I was like, can I make it? And I was like, oh well, it's just sugar and water. So yes, I could make that at home. So that was when I realized I could have described it, but then I would have felt stupid trying to buy it. They would have been just like, why don't you just make that? You can just make <laughs> that at your house. So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up making my own simple syrup, which is kind of cool. I had to do, I had to do something new and expand my horizons for the show. That's always good. So, well, it's a good drink. So um, it is a good drink. It's, it's tangy. It's tangy. Sort of tastes I, like that. Sort of tastes what like uh, what proportions lemon. did you use of lemon juice and everything? Did you end up with? Because I think I may have ended up with too much lemon juice. Lemon juice, yeah, you can go easy on that. I'd say probably a teaspoon and a half, couple of teaspoons, maybe tablespoon. Okay, I used a lot more than that. Yeah, you don't, you don't, need, you don't. It goes, it goes pretty far. So you don't need a lot of it. Yeah, that's it. Just mix it all together. Where you go? Well, the guy, the guy described it as tasting like blueberry lemonade. So I, that's what I'm getting. I mean, yeah, I can taste too. a little bit of the rum. I can taste a little bit of lemon. So it, it, it turned out okay, but a little tangy. So yeah, I think, I, I think making this more about, about uh, Weird Al is probably a good idea. That's sort of my intention. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'll be passing judgment on is, is Weird Al as a whole. Right. Right. Good. Because I have a feeling if it was just going to be this album it would be difficult to call this a classic and you know why we've talked about this before but if i were going to like get an album for alex you know a 12 year old try to introduce him to something and i gave him this he'd listen to it and he might kind of laugh at a couple of the songs but he wouldn't have any idea what the reference points were for most of this music right, right. you know stuck in a closet with vanna white be like who is vanna white you know, I mean, <laughs> right. she's still on tv today amazingly oh, yeah. but I don't think he would have any idea who she was. So she's she's like the, the the road atlas of TV personalities. Like she still exists because there's old people that remember who she was. But yeah. You know, so yeah, I don't know about how the album would fare. But Weird Al as a whole, I think, is a more interesting case for being a classic. So would you say that Weird Al has somehow passed this threshold into national treasure? Well, I, that would be part of the discussion of whether he's a classic. But when I look at the amount of... So there's three... What? Where is this? Where is this factor? There's three artists to have had a top forty hit in every decade: eighties, nineties, aughts, and teens. Mm -hmm. One is Michael Jackson, which I heard that and I was like, "What? What was his top forty hit in the teens? Wasn't he dead?" Right. But anyway, the other is Madonna. That makes sense. I think Madonna probably still putting out top forty hits not that long ago. And the other is Weird Al Yankovic. And I think that's kind of hard to just dismiss somebody like that. All of them are all people that were popular in the 80s, oddly enough. He's had a, a biopic already. Yeah, recently. I saw that with Daniel uh, Radcliffe. I haven't seen it. Right? But, well, isn't UHF kind of a biopic about Weird Al or is that a fictional? No, it's, it's a fictional show because it's, it's oh, okay. a, a TV station. I don't know. It seems like, to me, it seems like everybody's kind of like, if Weird Al does your song, it's like a big deal. Right. You know, right. It's become like you've arrived. That's what Kurt Cobain said when when he went to Kurt Cobain and said, do you mind if I do this? And Kurt Cobain was like, oh, no, that sounds great. Because he was thinking, wow, we really are a big, yeah. we're a big deal if Weird Al's covering our stuff. So, yeah. And and so I, I think I think he's he's become this sort of person that and it and it's and it's true like you don't hear anything bad about him. He doesn't go. He doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do drugs. So he, he, he's not acting like a bad boy. There aren't any, you know, there's no salacious gossip about him, nothing like that. No stories about, you know, him getting handsy with a cocktail waitress or something. No, 
Nothing. Um, I haven't heard any any such thing. And probably a lot of that has to do with not d- drinking and not doing drugs. Not doing drugs, not drinking. That, that'll probably keep you from yeah. getting into a, yeah. a lot of the trouble that people get he's into. Been married to the same woman, you know, this, the entire time he's been married. You know, um, like Joe Joe Namath leaning over and trying to kiss the uh, the, the sports oh, lady. Wow. <laughs> I think that had to do with him being hammered more so yeah. than anything else. I felt bad um, for him when he did that. Yeah, he, he embarrassed me doing that. But yeah, that was painful. But I can't. I I don't see anything negative in this guy's bio. I there's really nothing here that changes my opinion of him as being like a pretty good guy. Like it's it's the kind of person. It's a little bit of a silly career, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm glad a guy like that had a good career out of the way he's carried himself and conducted himself. And I always wondered growing up, I was like, how how is this legal? Right? I never understood. How can you make money off somebody else wrote the song? How can you do a parody of it and then make so much money? It's not like he's not making money off of it. It's not it's not some sort of public service message that he's doing by by parodying a song. So it's not it's nothing like that. And apparently, according to what I read, he does not need permission at all. This would be covered by fair use doctrine. Yeah. Parody. Which to me, I don't get that. I maybe I don't understand this particular facet of fair use doctrine. Fair use doctrine to me would be if you and I are talking about a song and we play a little snippet of it and we say, okay, does everybody remember this song now? And, and, you know, that would that would further the conversation that we're having about the work of art. And that to me would be fair use. But I don't really understand how. But I think copying par- somebody's song and then selling it. But I think parody fair has, use. parody is a, spe- is a special class of fair use, though. Parody is. It, it must be. It must be. But I don't know if I get that. I get why parody, like if I'm parried, let's say I parody a political figure. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be something that would be within the public interest, you know, that we're allowed to make fun of public figures and comment on them. But I don't understand why Michael Jackson's work in writing that song and then you go and just play it again with different words. Why? Why? I feel like you'd almost have to pay Michael Jackson for that. I don't that know. doesn't I mean, make sense to me. Mad, Mad, Mad Magazine got away with, they would do logos and they would parody a logo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it looked yeah, like the yeah. same logo. There's a case right now. I think it's still ongoing. You should look it up and see. But it was okay. Jack Daniels was suing like some soap manufacturer or something like that for using like a parody of their oh yeah of, of the Jack Daniels logo to sell their stuff and that wouldn't be considered I don't I don't I think the the company is trying to claim that it's a parody of it but see like Mad Magazine got away so with So I it. think so I I get I can kind of see the the I can see the boundary of the doctrine there and the boundary of the doctrine there for me is that yes like you said I think their attempt is to parody Jack Daniels and sell something that looks like Jack Daniels. Ha ha ha. But Jack Daniels would be very reasonable in thinking that a customer who purchased that might think Jack Daniels was getting money from that and that and that it was sold by Jack Daniels. And so therefore that company is like almost ruining the reputation of Jack Daniels or potentially ruining the reputation of Jack Daniels. I guess maybe nobody would ever think this was Michael Jackson. That did this. Yeah. So maybe that's the boundary. I don't know. It's interesting because you're right. Mad Mad Magazine would do like a Star Wars parody. Yeah. You're telling me George Lucas, when he was making all that money, he didn't want a couple bucks from because that was one of my favorite Mad Magazine issues ever. Like that was that Star Wars one was really well. It was really funny to me when I was a little kid. And by the way, Mad Magazine Weird Al, that's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The same kind of humor. It's very sophomoric. I remember reading one. 
about 48 Hours, which, by the way, I've never seen, which would be a great film to do on this show because I've never seen 48 Hours. Okay. But anyway, I remember laughing really hard at that, and I'd never even seen the movie. I just thought it was funny parody. I didn't really get I didn't really get the legal standard. But the thing is, apparently, he always gets permission from every single artist he's ever done. And there's been a couple of snafus with that where he their people told him yes, but the artist didn't know about it or vice versa. The people said no, but the artist didn't mind. And I think specifically it's Lady Gaga uh, found out he'd done a he'd done a parody and she was totally cool with it. But her people had said no. And so it got the wires got across there. And I think that I don't know if that was actually the one, but I, I thought it was a really funny polka face is just perfect. Weird Al. Polka I mean, it's an absolutely perfect. That's like right out there. That's just awesome. waiting for Weird Al. When, yeah. when you call your song Poker Face, you have to expect Weird Al to come up with Poker Face. But poker face, yeah. I don't actually think that was the one that, that was the issue. But the one the one who got really mad about it was Coolio. Yeah. And and he made a lot of money off that. It was one of his really big hits. I think that's Amish. Yeah, it, it is. It's Amish Paradise. But apparently Coolio was like borderline threatening to kill him. <laughs> like yeah. Weird Al was kind of looking over his shoulder for a little while for, for Coolio. I think I think they made up, though. He said Weird Al yeah. said that, you know, they made up. And- yeah. His wires, like you said, wires got crossed and he thought right. it was okay. I think his people said it was okay, but Coolio, Coolio didn't quite understand or know about it or didn't agree with it or whatever. I think that is what happened. Yeah, I think that is exactly what happened. And oh. Prince would never let him do anything. Prince yeah, was very against it. Prince, Prince, which, you know, there's a ton that he could have done. Oh, yeah. And, and also just parodying Prince's style. Yeah. But that's what Prince would have said no to because his style, he was so serious about that stuff. And he I don't think he had a good sense of humor like at all as a human no. being, Prince. So I don't think he would have been into that. Like I, I don't think he would have been into being parodied. And that's what Michael Jackson said about uh it was a parody of black or white mm-hmm. called Snack All Night. Yeah. Which I can I can already start writing that in my head, but yeah. he, he just was he th- he was taking his message and his song very seriously and didn't yeah. let Weird Al cover <laughs> it. Although he did eat it and fat. Was there any more? He had those two. Parodies. No, it was just the two. He just did the two Michael Jackson ones. I think he was even kind of reluctant to do Snack All Night because he didn't want to be seen as always parodying Michael Jackson, like going back. Because he did have two big hits because Eat It was a big deal. Yeah. And that was a big deal. And I remember thinking as a kid, I was like, Okay, he's got to do one. We were trying to come up with what's he going to do with Thriller. He's going to he's got to do like a parody of Thriller, but we could never come up with anything good. You know that he, um, he doesn't open his own mail. Okay. Okay. He, he hires somebody to open the mail for him. And the reason why is so that he can't be accused of ripping off ideas because people send him ideas oh, all the time. Oh, right? Yeah, sure. And, That's and funny. So what will happen is the, the the reader will open it first and read it and say, okay, and then they throw it away, right? right. Because they can't have any like undue influence or anything like that. And that happens all the time. Like if you go to a movie studio and you say, hey, I've got an idea for a movie. They're like, nope, don't want to hear it. You know, if you send it to us, it'll go in the trash because they yeah. don't want to get accused of, well, you, you, you ripped me off. You know, ripped it off. Yeah, that's smart. I never really thought about it. I actually had a great idea for a Star Wars script the other day or a Star Wars like trilogy and i was thinking how would one go about proposing like a original material to so because you can't write it yourself obviously and this particular idea makes no sense if it's not in the star wars world Mm -hmm. universe whatever and i was i kept i was driving along thinking about it the other day while we were on this big road trip and i really was yeah what do you do you just gotta like maybe know somebody or like meet some guy that works for disney or something like that i don't even know how anyway 
Yeah, that's that's really funny that he does that. I like that. Okay, you'd have to get an agent. Uh, my son Jaron actually, he wrote a letter to Legoland or to Lego rather. Uh huh. He's like, hey, I got I got a really good idea for a set of Legos um, that you guys should do. And he's like, you know, says, hey, I'm I'm Jaron. I was ten, you know, he was ten at the time. I'm ten years old. I love your your toys. I have this great idea for for a set. You guys should do it about this thing. And I can't even remember what it was. Right. Right. Sends it off to him. He has us look up their their address. Send it off to him. He gets a letter back from Lego like five weeks later or something like that. Uh-huh. He says, that's a really cool idea. Thanks so much for, for sharing it with us. You know, we'll definitely you know, think about it. Of course they won't, but we'll definitely think about it. And thank you so much for being such a loyal Lego fan. And, and, you know, Legos hire a lot, you know, we hire a lot of engineers and, and designers and stuff. So maybe, you know, very cool. Very cool. Right. Yeah. So he was like, he, he actually had me frame the letter. Hangs it up in his Of room. course. No, that's a great letter. I would definitely hold and, on to that. Uh, in the meantime, we go to Universal Studios, Orlando, get back. And he's like, oh, I've got this idea for like a ride for them. Do you think I can send him a letter? I said, sure. So I so sit down and he, and he types it all out on his mommy's computer and we send it send it out to him. <laughs> we get a letter back from Universal Legal. Oh, wow. Because we do not accept uh, unsolicited, unsolicited yeah, right. <laughs> ideas and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Got what it. a bunch of jerks. All this legal stuff. And I was like, did you mention you were like 11 when you wrote things? Like, yeah, it was like the first thing I told him. My name's Jaron and I'm 11 wow. years old. <laughs> well, that's the, probably the difference between an American company and a, and a Danish that's, one. Right? Yeah, that's they're, they're probably yeah. a little more, what a a little more chill. You know, it's funny. I I, I took, a, I don't know if your kids ever watched the show, The Wild Kratts. It's like yeah. a show where these yeah, yeah. two guys, they, they go oh, and yeah, they you told me about animals, this. Yeah. animals all over the world. So they had a live appearance in El Paso and I went down there with the kids and Alex was talking to me and he was like, I think they should do a show about tardigrades, you know, water bears. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, actually, that's, that's a really good idea. I think they, they should do a show about that. And so we go up and he shakes the guy's hand and he's like, I think you guys should do a show about, oh no. He says, do you guys, do you know what a tardigrade is? And, you know, Chris, Chris Kratt was like, yeah, I do. And he was like, do you think we should do a show about tardigrades? And Alex was like, yeah, you should. And he was like, we should do that. And I was looking at his face. I was like, he's not kidding. He's actually, that's actually a good idea. And the next season they had a show about tardigrades. That's the, awesome. I, mean, I, I, I would have never been like, oh my God, he stole my kid's idea. It's just an animal that exists it, in the real world. I thought it was saying. great. I thought it was really cool. If, if it was even sort of possible. Yeah. That he gave him an idea. I was that's, like, oh, I go that's for so it. so cool. I mean, how, how else do you get kids to like put themselves out there and get ideas and offer ideas and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Shoot it down from legal. <laughs> darn, yeah, that sucks. No, no offense, but darn lawyers. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's an adversarial system. There's a lawyer on the other side that would go after you if you didn't do that. So That's a good point. All right. So coming back around, it's about that time. Uh, so that was your biggest surprise. Do you have a second biggest surprise since I already spoiled the first one? Okay, so a serious surprise, a serious surprise. And it really is actually my biggest surprise. The him not being Jewish thing is kind of a joke. But I noticed when I looked at his bio and it said the names of his parents, I noticed they had the same death date. And I was thinking, oh, my God, like what what happened? And I read through the whole thing, through the whole article about his biography. And apparently this is in 2004. So these these must have been elderly people, you know, well into their 70s. Yeah, they had a carbon monoxide leak in their house and it killed them. Oh no! His, his two parents who just died on the same day. I was man, I read that. I for some reason I really because he seems like such a normal guy and because I've known about him my whole life, I really empathized. Like I was like, man, that's 
the worst thing I've ever heard. That really, I don't know why that wasn't bigger news or something. It just seemed. And you can know, imagine that he was probably pretty close to his parents too. I think so. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like he was like a good kid. His parents really loved him. Like he seemed like he was close to them and they were pretty normal people. Good parents. He was the, he was an only child, if I remember right. Uh, yeah, super, that's... super weird when he was growing up, like super nerdy, which not particularly yeah. surprising. But that was my biggest surprise in reading it through, just to have that, that, a, that gigantic downer of a surprise, you know? Yeah, it was a big it was a big one. It was a big one. I also I also before you come up with your big surprise, I forgot to mention the thing where he got the LASIK surgery mm -hmm. and just completely changed his look. Yeah. And it, for him to not have the glasses, it was kind of like when Jennifer Grey got her nose done. Yeah, like, right. what do you like? I, I'm surprised Weird Al's career continued after that. But that's well, not, not just glasses, but the big clunky nerd glasses. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like the glasses are a big yeah. part of his yeah. of his shtick. If I was him, I would have just gotten the LASIK, but worn like glasses with yeah. no, you know, non non -pharm pharmaceutical glasses. Right. Anyway. All right. So, so what, my, my surprise here. Your biggest uh, surprise, right? Biggest surprise on fat. So he went up and asked Michael Jackson, hey, would you mind if we did a parody of fat? And he already knew Michael Jackson would beat it. And Michael says, sure. <laughs> Sorry, he's trying to talk. About it. He <laughs> <Okay>. says, <clears throat> anyway, he says, sure, uh, go ahead. And he says, do you want to use our set? Yeah. And he's like, that what? Cool. And it uh, turns out that they hadn't taken down the set yet from Michael Jackson's music video, Bad. So the set, if you ever watch that video, that's the exact same set from the bad video. And it's yeah. all shot for shot. And they used his same choreographer. Oh, that's even so, cooler. So that's they did all the, all the, know that. he did all the same dance moves or he tried to do the same dance moves, uh, but in a fat suit, you know? Wow. I think he pulled it off. Um, I, I think he pulled it off. Yeah. I, I remember a, thinking it was pretty passable. Yeah. My sort of, uh, sort of surprises there. So, I guess let's let's render a verdict. It's all all in your court now. What do you think? Is the um, prosecution going to rest without saying anything? Or no, no. Going... Let me let me make a closing statement. Um, yeah. For my part, you know, again, I think he's become he's somehow past this point of like, like he's become kind of a national treasure, kind of like Dolly Parton. Like there was a time when Dolly literally Parton, the example I was thinking of. <laughs> not, I'm not even kidding. When literally people, the example she was sort of a punchline. Right. right. I mean, she was a punchline for all these other jokes, but now she's become this person that, oh my God, Dolly Parton just spoke about this particular subject. Maybe we should, right. you know, and she, she donates money and she helps people and everything else. And she can do no wrong. And part of it's because she keeps such a low profile, except when she does something charitable, right? She just does it. And yeah. now you see her with like modern rock stars and stuff like that. And she's doing mm -hmm. duets and stuff. That's sort of like what Weird Al has become. Like he became, he went from this guy that was sort of a punchline, right? And and was doing punchlines about everybody to this guy that everybody like somehow reveres. I don't know if revere is the right word, but they, he's become sort of this national treasure. He's like now on this other plane where he can sort of do no wrong. So uh, that mm -hmm. says a lot. His origin story, I mean, he was really into this stuff. He was 19 years old. He did this with his accordion. Uh huh. Uh, yep. you know, uh, my baloney. No, no. He was sixteen. He my was sixteen baloney. when he first yeah. got on Doctor Demento. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's been at it forever. He, he, he. It seems like he does it for the pleasure of doing it. It was never about making money. Never about being a star. It was just he wanted to do this thing, right? As By the way, speaking it. speaking of the whole fair use doctrine thing, the song "My Sharona" that My Bologna is based on independently of weird out because they don't get any money from this is one of the most successful songs based on royalties like just singles mm -hmm. of all time 
Really? And for some reason, the knack actually gets every single dollar for wow. every time that song, like the song was in Reality Bites and a whole bunch of other things over the years. And they get every single dollar from it. So it's like one of the most profitable. I think the guy said he spent like three hours writing it. It was like one of the most profitable three hours that's ever existed in capitalism nice. history. But anyway, and, but, and yet um, Weird Al is not giving them anything. Uh, as yeah, Weird Al didn't give them a thing. So anyway, so I think, you know, for all those reasons, I would say, I would urge you, dear jury, to find my defendant, my, my client. Um, a classic. A classic. Yeah, I, I think I like the description of him as being, I don't know if national treasure is quite the right, but almost like a like an icon that can't really be touched. Right. For example... Madonna was once a huge icon and is like a like an object of ridicule today. Nobody has any respect for Madonna in in this day and age. Whereas Weird Al has just always been. I think that's the thing. Weird Al was always Weird Al. Yeah. You know, Dolly Parton has always been Dolly Parton. She has not changed like right. at all. Elvis gets ridiculed a little bit because he has that second act of his career where he's like fat and like <laughs> in living in Vegas. You know, not really the same guy. So I think Weird Al is an icon. Uh, it certainly has classic status. I think you kind of need to know who he is to understand the culture broadly construed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to vote for Weird Al. I don't this album's OK. I think my favorite song is this song is just six words long. And that's the best <laughs> on the album. As a kid, I really liked I think I'm a clone now. I think that was my favorite. Of course. Yeah. But uh, in general, it's, uh, you know, whatever. It's just a Weird Al album. But altogether, the opus of Weird Al is pretty good and definitely worth listening to maybe i kind of want to check into some of the later stuff from the 90s that i never right. got a chance to listen to yeah for sure cool yeah, i vote i vote yes well sweet all right well we put that one to rest thank you very much yeah. and yeah. cheers yeah. to that i'm using a metal cup so i can't i can't make the sound i am using a uh plastic yankees cup yankees cup, yankees cup right, we got for free at a game <laughs> we're both we're both kind of day drinking losers today but in any case yes definitely. um all right yeah. well well thanks for that what's what's next what's on our agenda Oh, the next thing, let's see, the next thing is going to be a book. Mm -hmm. And I went through a little bit of a deliberative process here, but I actually started reading the first couple of pages of Neuromancer by William Gibson. And I have read William Gibson before, but not this book. And I just was kind of hooked. I kind of want to read the rest of the book. So Very cool. I got it from the library. I'm ready to go. I think that's going to be our next show. Great. Well, that'll be a good one. I've, I haven't read it in 25 years, so I'm looking forward to reading it's it again. It's a breezy, breezy read. Yeah, really easy fast. to read. So I recommend all the... All the Toasting the Classics fans, uh, sorry, both of the Toasting the Classics fans, <laughs> right, you. get out there and, and get it and read it, and then you got plenty of time, and we will uh, see you guys in a couple of weeks. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us. Dave MacArthur, peace out. This is Clint Lanier saying, see you next time on Toasting the Classics. That's it for episode 76 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, stay tuned to find out what crazed cyberpunk concoction we'll be imbibing as we discuss William Gibson's Neuromancer. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and any parody ideas we can steal and market in our own names. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.